You guys ready? Given the energy you're bringing, I'm not sure I ever will be, but let's go to try. I'm here. I'm here for Ed. I'm bringing it for Ed tonight. That's 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 what I'm doing. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 470 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined tonight by Fosma Moon and uh, Seth Miller. How you guys doing? Good evening. I'm a little bummed. Not Why? Only. Because in the last like 12 hours, our forecast for a foot of snow has dwindled to maybe an inch if we're lucky. Is, is New York not going to get a nor'easter? I live in New Hampshire now. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, everything, you know. No, Foz is going to get screwed now, but not me. So is, is Foz, are Foz, are you traveling tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Oh, perfect. That's going to be great. He, he has a booking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a reservation. Yeah. <laughs> I decided that I wasn't going to leave at 1, and I changed myself to an evening flight since that's after the snow stops, but we'll see. Oh, I, I think that's a worse choice. Wouldn't you want to leave in the morning? Uh, well, the peak of the snow is like in the morning. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's supposed to start tonight, go all the way into tomorrow afternoon, but it's supposed to stop by two, three o'clock. Uh, okay. Okay. So in the evening, yeah, you might, you might get out. Yeah. But now they're saying we started this morning at one to three inches. Then we went to two to four. Then we went to three to five. And now we're at four to seven. So, so is New York like Portland where you go out and buy all the fresh food? Is that like what? New Yorkers do the New Jerseyites. I mean, I'm in Pennsylvania now, but okay, Pennsylvanians. Is that what y'all do? I mean, no, I I don't really. I I'm always prepared, so I don't need to go frenzy shopping. The 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 running joke in Portland is that everyone buys up the kale. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm serious. You don't have a kale Caesar, even if you're snowed in. <laughs> you, what so. are you going to do without kale? How to survive? <laughs> I just like that Foz admitted he's a prepper. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the bunker. <laughs> oh man we call it a larder in pennsylvania thank you very much seth it's oh. <laughs> a pantry thank you very much <laughs> the root cellar okay we've completely gone off the rails so tell me about the a321s because united's are now grounded right as uh, uh yeah as of um mid afternoon evening on monday the 12th united grounded its a321 neo fleet uh the five planes this is, was a weird one, right? Like, I'm, I, you know, I'm a complete tool and I like to read random DOT filings. And so I read the one that said United has applied basically for an exemption that allows it to have the no smoking sign always illuminated, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is a weird thing to need an exemption for, given that smoking has been prohibited on domestic flights in the United States for more than 30 years. But here we are. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm even more surprised there was a a sign because i've seen some planes where it's not a sign it's just painted right so this is one of the many interesting factors to consider here so the regulation basically says and i'm very much paraphrasing here but like if you have a sign an illuminated sign you have to be able to turn it off because you might be you might allow smoking (laughs) but you can also just have placards which are different than signs right so you think about the announcement you know you're required to obey all lighted signs placards and crew member instructions Lighted signs and placards are different things. So apparently, if you have a placard, which would be a sticker, it doesn't have to be lighted, and it's just fine. If you have a lighted sign, it has to have an on-off switch that someone in the crew can control, either the flight deck or uh, cabin crew. Now, obviously, because you, we haven't had smoking on planes in the United States for more than 30 years, no one installs a switch for those. Um, the aircraft manufacturers just don't... It's not an option, really. So 
they have uh, basically both Airbus and Boeing have filed paperwork with the FAA that says, hey, cool that you had the safety thing. It's safer for us to not have these switches, so we're going to not do that anymore. And the FAA says, yeah, that's great. Just any of you know airlines operating these planes, you just have to file this piece of paper saying that's what you're doing. And from what I can tell, uh, it got super interesting. So actually, it was uh, last Friday, either Allegiant or Frontier filed a similar file document. And then today, um, or actually, one of them was dated yesterday. So one of them was dated Sunday, but was published today. And then the other one was United's, which was also dated and published today on Monday when we're recording, saying, you know, there's this rule. We need an exception for it. You've issued it to everybody else who's ever asked. We're compliant with all the same for all the same reasons. That's not a, it's not a big deal. Please expedite. Please rubber stamp this immediately. Um, the frontier one is actually especially amusing because it acknowledges noncompliance. It actually states reason for noncompliance. So they're basically admitting that they've had this problem. Um, but the section about that is, you know, Frontier Airlines has been operating the A320 family for over 20 years. Um, you issued this ruling uh, ruling in July of 2003 on what's called an equivalent level of safety memo that states um, that having the signs constantly illuminated is more than sufficient. So uh, perhaps maybe you don't need to actually make us be in trouble right now. So th- the whole thing is a little bizarre. United has chosen to ground its fleet of these five planes while it cooperates with the FAA. The FAA issued a statement saying it's working to quickly resolve this issue for United. Um, neither Allegiant nor Frontier have responded to my queries uh, this evening, and the FAA declined to answer the part of my question that also referenced those other airlines. So it's not clear why United had to ground its planes, but the other two didn't, or if something else wonky is going on there. But because those other two are involved, it almost sounds to me like someone realized, hey, people have been filing this thing for Boeings all the time, but not for Airbus planes. And like someone basically discovered that was like, oh, shit, we better go cover our asses. I I mean, couldn't United just say, "Okay, we're going to put up we're going to turn the light off and put up placards? They can't turn. Well, yes, they have to. But that would be a new certification sort of thing, right? Because the cabin interior is certified as a full unit of like. This is what it all looks like. Is that okay? So they have to get okay. a different okay. sign off that they have the placards. Involved. Yep. Um, I also don't understand why an airline would go for lighted signs rather than placards at this point, right? Like weight of wiring and light bulbs has to add up to something. Yeah. Probably more than the stickers. Except yes. that no, knowing airlines, it might be more expensive for the placard versus the lights because they have somebody sitting around. <laughs> That's fair. It's just like the, the weight of the wiring, I feel like it would be heavier, but maybe it's all in the harness no matter what. Like, all these little things, but I, I can't understand why this all of a sudden came, became an issue here in the in the year of our uh, FAA 2024, or why only United grounded its planes and many, many other things. But it is an absolute, like, it was a fun little quirk of, like, I noticed this DOT filing and posted about it online, and then someone else was posting, hey, something's going on with United's planes. I think they're canceling a bunch of flights on 321 NEOs. And then I saw this post, I'm like, uh-oh, I think I figured out why. So, good times. If only they put that much investment into Boeing, right? Like, <laughs> what if we just made sure the planes were actually built correctly? Did you guys see that? There's a story out that but that someone was talking about a new nonprofit to monitor Boeing, uh, really? by the FAA instead of say I don't know the FAA doing that work. Wow, word. I so I mean I think for this lighted thing, I mean couldn't couldn't United just say hey um, we're just going to pull the circuit on the looks, then the lights would be off, and you'd be allowed to smoke on board. But, but 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 couldn't you just say that's the workaround? Um, I, 
it, it, it actually, I mean, putting aside my snarkiness about then everybody would smoke on board. Uh, the one of the challenges is the control for that is actually built into the uh, like a, the entertainment system console. Oh God. That like that, you know, the TV screen up front that controls yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that other stuff. So, and it's not a setting there. Like there is no option that's hard coded into the software. Maybe somewhere through the back end, someone could find an admin panel to do it. But like, Oh, that's wild. That would have to be like an Airbus maintenance task. It's not something that any end user has access to so that setting. Yeah. 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 So it's, it really is a, like, we can't turn this off. And we can't put a switch on it. It's just bizarre. Well, okay. So, I mean, I'm going to bring up kind of an off topic before we move on to another thing, but it has to do with the FAA as well. I, I posted today about the person in front of me was wearing an Apple Vision Pro on the plane. Yeah. And it seems like we're like reaching a point where maybe the FAA needs to step in and say, you can't wear these during taxi takeoff and landing because this guy wore it the entire time. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. We had a conversation, a bit of a uh, thread on Blue Sky about it. Yeah. Um, I actually prompted by that i reached out to a dozen airlines asking what their policy is about that and none have replied so i mean it, we're getting we're going to get to the, we're getting to an impetus right like even if it's not the apple vision pro and it's you know meta's i don't, I don't know if you wear a meta quest. gear on yeah quest on a plane but if you did like i don't think you should be wearing one uh you know also on a flight. so anyway that seems like the fa needs to maybe get on that um i don't know it might not be a bad thing if you can hack into them just have them walk off a plane without stairs <laughs> Like, no, don't touch your bags. Don't touch your bags. <laughs> <Walk forward. laughs> we we could use some Darwinism in, with this. <laughs> Foz, ever the optimist. There, There is the challenge, I mean, beyond what you guys are describing, like John Walton brought up uh, hip, Im, head impact testing and our impact, uh, the significance of that, right? Like, plane stops short, even if it's not a full-on crash, and your body, right, they're engineered, so like your head hits the seat in front of you in a certain way that doesn't cause massive damage yep. there's no way the vision pro is rated for that yep plus you know you've got this heavy thing on your head that's going to change like the weight of your head and momentum as it thwacks around there's some some risk there yeah i mean yeah it's it's a huge amount of weight uh, and the cabling like that's things people get right because they don't show it in any of the pictures but like there is a cable and a battery pack so yeah yeah something to get tangled in it's it would be a good idea for them to to have something there yeah uh, some kind some kind of rule but anyway uh, Indigo is wet leasing cutter 737 maxes. Yeah. What? This is a, so they have a code share fine. Um, and you'll recall that Indigo has also wet leased, uh, Turkish Airways triple sevens to provide service to Istanbul. Basically, I mean, Indigo has got like, I think 70 or 90 planes grounded through the end of this year because of the Pratt and Whitney engine issues. And so they have more planes grounded than many airlines have planes, which is kind of insane. But, they they need more capacity, and so much like that Turkish deal, uh, Qatar Airways is providing a 737 Max fleet, which was Air Italy before. Okay, okay, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Air Italy. Yeah. That went out of business. That was an amusing try to get around some anyway, uh, some rules. But so they're taking this flight, they brought them back to Doha, and they're basically going to fly from Doha to uh, various Indian markets. Uh, they'll be sort of everything. Except cab- the cabin crew will be by Indigo. The other stuff will all be by Qatar Airways. So it's damp lease, I guess. It's not entirely fully staffed, but it's close. And then uh, because they have business class seats on them, only the Qatari coded flight will have the business class for sale. So Indigo still isn't selling business class seats, much like with the Turkish one. Um, but the planes will have them on board. 
Interesting. Which is our setup. Yeah. Well, you're desperate for capacity, but you can't bring those planes. They can't bring those planes into their fleet because they don't have anyone to operate them. Right. So I mean, I get it. So I mean, I I get, I get it because I I think like I've looked at when I've looked at Qatar Cutter flights from Portland to Bangalore, they sell me the Indigo right, and they sell it to me in coach. But yeah. if they can do this now in business, um, they sell the Doha to Bangalore in coach. Yeah. Uh, if they can do it in business, I mean, that's a more compelling offer right you don't have to wait for the there's like an a350 flight i think on yeah cutter metal so this this could be a nice in between for that yeah was that a like three three and a half hour flight across yeah so and it's at a weird hour too it leaves at like i think it's like 11 p.m or something yeah oh fun so you land and, like 6 a.m something like that yeah so it's not it's it's a little rough if you're yeah yeah um mid con red eye baby uh yeah yeah and they have a couple of flights so it might you know it just depends on timing but yeah anyway. what time you get to doha yeah, um, Copa is going to fly to Raleigh. <laughs> I like what I learned that Stephen hasn't really read the show notes before we start recording. Yeah, I mean that's that's the tr- I've been on a plane all day, so yeah, I was, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four times a week starting this summer, year-round service. I, it's a kind of an interesting market for them. I mean, it makes some sense because they can serve Latin America and South America, and I'm guessing timings work. So yeah, will they will they fly the return as a red eye? No, I didn't check that. Oh, it's rolling. It'll be better than flying through Atlanta or Miami. Will it, though? Yeah, she will. <laughs> what about Houston? Will it be better than flying to Houston? Hey, 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 save that. <laughs> For our Patreon subscribers, we're going to talk about Houston in a little bit. Um, finding the bottom in Orlando. What is this about? Um, so Brett Snyder put together an interesting post. Basically, uh, there was a the conversation we had about... Um, I can't find those flights timing. Sorry. Man, no uh, we were talking a, a little bit the last few weeks about how the ultra low cost carriers have sort of seen the bottom fall out. Uh, in some markets, they haven't been making money or are losing more money than usual, even in peak summer. And Brett went and looked at the data of capacity and average fare for uh, Q3 of 2023 into the Orlando market. And it was super interesting to see, you know, year over year, I think capacity was up something like with for maybe for the ULCCs it was up like 25% or something it was a huge boost in traffic and with uh demand obviously we'll say flattening out or spreading back out to more and more markets uh that did not work well and it showed up in the impact of what the financials were for that market but the thing i found really interesting and he alludes to this or says it outright in his story as well basically the idea that we've always talked about infinite demand into Florida. And it turns out maybe we finally found out it's not infinite. Mm. Huge, but it's not infinite. Um, and he actually had, he had a follow up this week of similar data into Vegas, which Vegas didn't suffer quite as badly as Orlando did financially for these airlines. So that was also sort of interesting to me and worth taking a look at, um, worth reading both of them. But yeah, I, the idea that maybe we found how much where, where the real bottom of or where the you know where the capacity truly bottoms out uh, or tops out in Orlando could be, you know, huge if true. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading the story and I'm just thinking, is it just a low cost carrier problem? I mean, it does. I mean, you see, like United's average fare went down too. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm looking even like like, like Delta, it went up a little bit, I guess. Yeah, um, but, so it's not. It is sort of a low-cost carrier problem. Um, the other thing he mentions, and he's sort of more in the uh, Vegas story, or not the Vegas one, this is a, I'm sorry, this is actually Brian Summers' start story in the Airline Observer about 
Allegiant um, and how like Frontier is now boosting capacity significantly in Philadelphia, adding 10 or bringing back 10 new routes. Um, they're going after bigger cities and their CEO basically in his, the earnings uh, recently, uh, was it Barry Buffel, right? Mm-hmm. CEO there basically said, um, A, we're not going to try to buy spare. We'll let them deal with their, them and Jeff Lou deal with their shit on their own. And B, uh, um, it's, we're going to go after these bigger markets because there's more money there. And we'll, you know, they're basically trying to grab spill, the overflow seats that the main carriers, the legacies can't grab. Mm-hmm. And it used to be you could just show up and be cheap and pick up decent amounts of traffic. Now, thanks to basic economy fares, uh, the legacies have an ability to sort of throw you on fare and keep keep it so that the low-cost carriers can't sort of ratchet fares up as much. And so it makes those markets much lower yielding. And so it's not clear that they're going to actually be able to get good revenue out of those even. Mm. Okay. So, you know. A lot going on there, um, but it is an interesting read and certainly an interesting idea that maybe there's not infinite demand of Florida. Yeah, I mean, especially when you start talking about like other airlines are starting off, right? Their capacity continues to grow down there. As long as there's gates, someone will try to fill them. Yeah, but uh, the frontier stuff, right? They're running the list. They're actually adding Chicago, Columbus, Detroit, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Knoxville, Pensacola, Portland, Maine, and Saint. So <laughs> I'd say eight of those are business markets. And they previously already announced Minneapolis and Pittsburgh. And American is attempting to retaliate by increasing frequencies on all of those flights. Yeah. Right. Like those are some very interesting markets to try to grab, grab share. And also does Frontier say how many times a week they're going to serve them? Is it going to be? Uh, yeah. So Chicago will be daily. Columbus will be three weekly. Detroit will be daily. Indianapolis three weekly. Kansas city, three weekly Knoxville, uh, three weekly Pensacola, three weekly Portland, Maine, three weekly and St. Louis four weekly uh, Minneapolis will be one daily and Pittsburgh will be two daily. Uh, but I mean, I think frontier is doing a good thing. Cause I can tell you having that someone who flies to Pittsburgh regularly, the AA fares are generally like six, $800 round trip within a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like, right there, there is some potential there. It'll probably bring down those close in flights, but you're talking about, they're adding one daily flight basically in four markets. The rest are less than daily from what I heard you say. Yep. Um, looking at, you know, O'Hare United for what month? I think I'm looking at the month of February. So not the perfect answer, but United's 110 frequencies over 30 days. We'll call that four daily flights. And American is at 170. So we'll call that six. So there's 10 daily and they're going to add one more. I mean, it's a lot of seats on board. So, some you know percentage wise it's you know an extra 15 percent in the market maybe but you know minneapolis has got four daily between american and delta detroit's got another uh 200 so seven daily between the two so there there is some opportunity i guess to scrape the bottom of the barrel as it were but it'll be interesting to see if they can actually put seats can fill put butts in those seats i mean it'll be interesting to see what days they picked for those non-daily ones because yeah the time it right, right? You, there might be meeting the need for business travelers. Yeah, I mean, it's you can get some of them, but not all of them, certainly. Mm-hmm. And then, but that's always been the challenge with Frontier's approach of less than light, right? They do, they're doing the less than daily service of Allegiant, but in markets where they're trying to compete with and be, you know, that aren't Allegiant type markets. Right. So, anyway. Um, India has another bilateral request. Uh, that's uh, 
a little crazy. This is so another. I'm a little bit of a callback here. We uh, five six weeks ago now we talked about one with uh, the UAE where India was asking for four to one. I think right they wanted four times as many seats granted as they were going to allow for any UAE carrier to bring in. Yeah, and at the time I suggested it may not matter because uh, no one's actually not enough people are flying and stopping in the UAE anyways, and the UAE wants most of it for connecting traffic. So maybe I'm wrong there. We we, did, we debated that a lot, but that was the, my theory. This is a uh, negotiation with Kuwait, and the opening salvo was nine to one. <laughs> that that India wants nine times the amount of seats. Nine times. Uh, Number of seats or flights? Seats. Okay. So India, most of India's bilaterals are based on seats available, not flights. So that it, like you can't just say, oh, well, we get 10 flights. We'll just put all A380s on them. So Kuwait's not a very big country. Correct. And there's not much connecting traffic in Kuwait. So what are they trying to do? It is unclear, but the reasoning for the argument is, quote, because there are nine gateway airports in India. So, that so we're, just, we're just making multiples? We're just making multiples of, of how many air gateways there are? And we and you only have one airport we can fly to, so we need we need nine times as many seats to be able to put all our people into one airport. It's the the whole thing is absurd, but the reasoning is pretty hysterical. Wow, that's so uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this goes back to my like you know, and to your point, like there is no one connecting there. What's going on? I guess Kuwait Air probably thinks it has some connecting flow through. I'm sure there are some uh, labor laborers who are moving across and working there for people but it's again it's a much smaller market i just don't know yeah that's weird weird i I got nothing (laughs) nine times um frontier has a new go wild pass uh this time with a little bit of a twist yeah so the thing about the go wild pass is you only can buy it uh you can only buy tickets basically day of travel or day before yeah right last minute so then this time around they've now added a advanced purchase option okay. so you basically you buy, you buy the pass and then you can uh you can then separately buy some tickets more than a day in advance for domestic flights which That's is nice. kind of nice but it comes with an additional cost and they don't say how much it is and so that leads me to think this is more like the what they call it, like the den club or whatever where you buy in to like an annual pass and then you get sort of a discount on some things throughout the year, it it feels to me a little more like that, and I don't think I haven't tried. I, I'm guessing I can't search for what the prices would be without having the past. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. It's it's you know also though the like advanced purchase part only works uh uh through through April 9th. So even though the pass is for the summer, uh the pre book the early book stuff doesn't actually last that long. And. Mm. Actually, you say, wait a second. He's got the summer pass that they're selling this for starts in May. May- maybe I'm misreading the terms here, and but the uh, and you have to book. No, early booking promotion is valid for travel through March sixth. Did they? They seems like this early booking thing isn't even valid for the dates they're selling this pass for. <laughs> you want them to proofread their releases? Come on now. I want their sales to be internally consistent and legal that's that's asking a lot right apparently maybe yeah. it's one of those maybe it's one of those passes you buy but that you can never actually use well that's what it looks like you you get the honor of having the pass yeah 
<laughs> On the plus side, they got a new plane with the uh, Hispaniolian parakeet. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's, that fixes all the problems. They're cute. <laughs> um, Delta Premium Lounges. What are, what's the news? They're going to have them. I mean, we kind of knew that, right? Like, they had said that they were going to have them. Yeah, but now they finally have a plan for them. Oh, okay. You only have to wait in line 30 minutes to get it. So weed. Yeah. They have come with a red velvet rope. Uh, not in the renderings. <laughs> only, if you, only if you want to use it to hang yourself while waiting in line. <laughs> oh, God. That went morose. Um, <laughs> uh, JFK is first. Yeah, th- th- their release talks about this Go Wild Pass having the advanced booking thing, an early, a Go Wild early booking option. I'm sorry. This is. You're getting like, obsessed with it. You need to contact their, their people. Have their people talk to our people. I'm going to have to send them yet another email. It's a lot of having to talk to corporate communications people. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I know it's the job. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, so, um, JFK. JFK's first. Um, and then Boston is going to have it. Uh, Boston and LAX. Yeah. Do they do enough traffic out of Boston? They've got a bunch of Europe and onward. And like, well, theoretically Tel Aviv, if that comes back. But especially this summer, they have a surprisingly large amount. My guess is also that Virgin Atlantic will be very happy to have that lounge. Okay. But isn't Virgin Atlantic an E? Yeah, so it's all Delta's International. I thought E was just departures for Delta. Or did they international? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, E was only arrivals, not departures. No, they moved in, They moved departures over last summer, I think. Okay. Yeah. And this and this will be an E. This will be an E. And so this in uh, the Delta one, it'll be up, in Boston, it'll be upstairs and E uh, in the new wing where the like half of the upstairs there was already built out as their regular Sky Club. And so they're basically like... It'll be connected. Yeah, you get up to the top of the stairs and go left for premium and right for regular. If those renderings, is that really what the Sky Club looks like? Like I'm looking at the pictures. I mean, it looks it looks nice. The premium uh, that's the premium. I think that's those renderings are supposed to be the JFK one. Uh, I'm looking at the Boston one. No, I, I clicked no. through to see the Boston Sky Club. It actually looks. The Boston Sky Club is gorgeous. Yeah, it looks it, it's a really pretty lounge. Um, and then the the premium lounge at LAX will have an outdoor terrace. And it will be directly accessible from the Delta One check-in area by elevator, which is interesting. So I'm guessing it's going to have its own private security. Private security, yeah. That'd be fancy. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, I I think the one that throws me off is Boston. Like I get I, I get you're saying they have a lot of summer stuff, but yeah, I'm just surprised like Detroit or Minneapolis. I, they've moved some. Room. Well, they've also moved some of the connecting stuff away from JFK. So things oh, like yeah. Lisbon and Dublin, there's a, there's a lot more flights than you'd realize because I think they're just connecting more people in Boston versus JFK. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, anyway, um, but like, I'm just pulling up some numbers here. So June, we'll say for June of this year, uh, Delta has 73,000 seats, 10 flights a day oh, to wow. non-US destinations out of Boston. Okay. Yeah. Decent number. Right, so I mean, ten flights a day, seventy-three thousand seats. You assume even just ten percent of that's premium. Yep. That's seven thousand yep. seats divided by thirty is fifty a day, forty fifty passengers a day. Right, it won't. It probably won't be open every all hours, but yeah, it'll be open for that European departure bay and can yeah, maybe like the late night, like late night stuff. Amsterdam, Athens, Paris, Dublin, Edinburgh, Rome, Heathrow, and Lisbon. Okay, I'm skip- I mean, Cancun. I would, let's skip Cancun though, because that's. I'm not sure if that actually goes out of E. Sometimes I think that or 
uh, Dublin, I think, sometimes goes out of A because the plane is inside immigration when it lands. But anyway, you get the idea. There, I think yeah, yeah. you're right. It's not a massive demand, but it's a surprisingly large number, and it's double daily to Amsterdam. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you start, yeah, and if and if Virgin is going to use it as well, it starts yeah. to make more sense. Right? Or KLM and Air France. I think Air France has its own lounge. I don't know what KLM probably sends people to Air France, but yeah, um, you do add a couple more flights. Um. I, I mean, I'm a little surprised that Atlanta's not on there. Like, I think it's also a physical space thing, right? Boston had a new space. Yeah, yeah, true. Charlotte's getting a new Sky Club that seats yes. 250 people as well. Never had a Sky Club there before. Kind of crazy. Yeah. I wonder which half construction, half done construction area they're building it in. Yeah. Why well, isn't aren't all the non AA airlines in that one new pair? And the, the like the A Prime pier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and I assume it's going to be out there somewhere. That's, but like also that pier has been like open ceilings construction, weird looking for a long time. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, Emirates is starting Miami to Bogota. It would seem so. There have been just like a tag flight. Yeah, fifth freedom, a fifth freedom onward flight where they're trying to connect through. I mean, there's a lot of traffic to Bogota. I get it. Um, that's I, it's an that's an interesting play by them though. Interesting yeah. move. So one of the what, actually that's sort of really interesting. Thing, uh, re, one of the really interesting things to me about this is, I assume it means that the U.S. and Colombia have open skies, because typically this sort of additional flight requires open skies or mm-hmm. a special agreement to extend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always used to laugh because like Emirates would sign random open skies agree. The UAE would sign random open skies agreements with like Caribbean island nations. And you wonder why. But if the UAE and the U.S. have open skies and the UAE and the third country have open skies and the U.S. and the third country have open skies, it's sort of a formality rubber stamp of being able to do tag flights. Mm. So this sort of thing, right, like maybe and again, I don't think it'll actually happen anytime soon, but like Emirates could pick random Caribbean island where they now have fit freedom rights or open skies directly between the UAE. And if the U.S. and that country also have open skies freedom opens up and so you could have weird tag flights from you know miami to somewhere else as well mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, again it depends on a lot of things there's also a point made that this sort of shifts the connection bank on the dubai side like the miami flight will depart differently or arrive differently than all the other u.s flights so it may make some onward connections more challenging but hey, I mean, right now because right now everything kind of leaves the u.s midday right or early to mid-afternoon depending on which coast you're on yeah, that point is to sort of all try to get to um, Dubai for the morning bank, right? Right. Like so before 10 a.m., basically. So I think this shifts that because it'll come in later. But again, Emirates is also fleshing out its schedule and getting closer and closer back to normal. I mean, they keep talking. I keep getting releases about, you know, returning to double dailies on so many different routes and this and that. So it may not matter. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good. I guess if, if there's enough customers, maybe it'll. You know, Bogota is not the cheapest market from the U.S., so maybe it'll certainly piss American off. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Emirates cares, right? Yeah, there's also I would imagine a little bit of belly cargo that they're going to move back and forth for that too. Yeah, yeah. Are they? Is that a seven seven W? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember if Miami was one that they were like trying to do an A three eighty on at some point. They have in the past. Yeah. I, say, I don't think they did, but um, I know Fort Lauderdale was a. 77L when it mm-hmm. ran. Yeah. Uh, initially. So let's see. Do we want Dubai to Miami? We need 
what aircraft types they were in, right? Uh, aircraft types for the past two heck knows. Um, sorry, taking me a minute to click. I actually oh, had no, not allowed. Yep. No, it's only been the, since twenty two, and it's always been a seven seven W. Okay. Interesting stuff. Um, just lastly, I mean, I think we were going to talk about this on the bonus episode. But I want to talk about it since we've got a little bit of extra time. Uh, Lufthansa is back at Philly, um, pushing Discover out. I think that's an interesting move. So Discover is their low-cost brand, whatever, right? Low-cost, long-haul brand? Yep. Um, and this does mean, like, real premium cabins and some other things uh, coming in. I don't know. Philly seems like it probably should be a business market, so why not? Yeah. I, I kind of get it. I mean, you offering a nonstop for business customers. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they've seen some demand, but Discover offers. They have, like, a live flat seat, right? And they're A330s, I thought. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But is Discover a part of the JV? Mm, that's a good question because we'll sell their tickets like we'll sell flights on discover but i guess is it is a part of the jv or not that's and the reason that i asked that right that might play into uh business traffic because it's the only long-haul star flight out of there yeah that could be it yeah that's a good point i i don't know um if they are not i know they have the code share and some loyalty agreements which is probably why they sell those seats steven but i'm not sure if they're actually part part of the jv i think because they're not really Lufthansa, mm-hmm. they may not be. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Well, we got some stuff in the bonus show. We're going to talk a little bit about Intercontinental Houston, Intercontinental Airport, um, American Airlines' new non-hub route, um, Korean Airlines uh, getting rid of a route that was always kind of a funny one, and then some China and Cuba delays, the freighter engine fire, um, and what was going on with that. There's been some updates. And then SAS is selling a mystery flight in April, and Heathrow swats slot swaps yeah. slop swaps. Yeah, slops slops slops. Yeah. Uh, so stick around for that if you're a Patreon subscriber. If not, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting us, and uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Happy travels. Bye. Take care. See you next time.